Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Genesis chapter 20. Um, I am going to reserve the right. I, I have notes, I had notes for you, and then I thought, nah, let's just keep it um, flowing because I'm not sure exactly the direction the Holy Spirit's going to to take me tonight. Um, I have uh, had a number of supernatural things come about to indicate what I'm going to preach to you tonight. And uh, that is how we roll around here. We don't get, you know, 52 sermons out of Preacher Magazine and then preach those. We, we pray. And uh, it's not that we don't preach a message we haven't preached before. We do that too. I think that if you preach a powerful word that drills oil the first time, it's certainly worth drilling oil a second time. There's nothing wrong with that. But we do believe in fresh manna. The, the real thing is, is to listen to what the Holy Spirit says and then do that. Listen to what the Holy Spirit says and, and do that. That is the, the key to victory is pray and obey. Pray and obey. So what I began to see as a pattern is, uh, I'm going to call it a, a pattern of captivity. I've watched people and then, <laughs> unfortunately, in my own life, um, I see the pattern where the Lord gave me victory over something and then years later, I see that pattern try to play again. Or maybe not years later, maybe month, just a couple months later. I, I've seen people go back like a dog to the, all right, you said it. You shouldn't say stuff like that in church. Dog to the vomit. I've seen people go back. I've seen people never come out. Gonna look at this text in Genesis 20 and um, not sure what exactly to call it, but there's a reoccurrence well, the case is this. For Abraham, there's a reoccurrence of the fear of man and a lacking in trusting God. The thing that's disturbing to me is that the same sin he did some 25 years earlier, and in the period of when he did that sin, which we'll talk about, and then 25 years, he has numerous encounters with God. He gets his name changed. He builds altars, vanquishes the enemy. He's, he's an incredible intercessor. All kinds of miracles take place. He's prospered, so prospered that Lot and him, his, his nephew, they can't live together. He wins this, this battle against Sodom and, and uh, pardon me, for, yeah, the, for the king of Sodom. They, they win this, this battle and, and, he, and then he, def, he doesn't take the riches from the king. He's, he has a meeting with Melchizedek, which is a priest without lineage. There's only one priest without lineage. Melchizedek, according to the book of Hebrews, is none other than God in the Old Testament. He meets with Melchizedek and has communion, bread and wine. It's a covenant meal. He has all of these things happen, and yet he gets to this place where he yields to the fear of man. 
a king called Abimelech. Are you ready? So I want to destroy it tonight for you, for me. I, I want to just, I want to punch this thing in the throat with the word of God and by the power of the Holy Ghost. I hope you've come with a steak knife. Amen. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Genesis chapter 20. Let's go. Come on, somebody say, let's go. Let's go. Ooh, that was almost made me nervous. Context here so you understand it is that Sodom and Gomorrah has been destroyed in Genesis 19. Genesis 18 is a reaffirmation of what God said, the sign of God's promise to Abraham. Isaac is going to be born, but he's beyond the years of childbirthing. He and his wife, Sarah. And so they have this promise. They've been waiting some 20-something years, and it hasn't come to pass. I've been waiting for some things pretty long. How about you? Okay. The two evil cities are destroyed, Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis chapter 20 and verse 1, New King James. And Abraham journeyed there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed at Goar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said, quote, indeed, you're a dead man. Nice. You're a dead man. Nice dream. You're a dead man because of the woman who you've taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her which is biblical terminology for he's not slept with her. He's not touched her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she even said herself, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, I am innocent of my hands. I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your own heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. I love that. I love how he says, I didn't touch her. He says, no, actually, I'm the one that made you not do it. How many of you are grateful for the keeping power of God? Some of you say, oh, I'm righteous, really. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Verse 7, now therefore restore the man's wife, for he's a prophet. He will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and went to early morning prayer. As would every God-fearing person who has a dream like that. Time to have a prayer meeting. He rose up early in the morning, called for his servants, told them these things in their hearing. Every man was very much afraid. And Abimelech called to Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to have been done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you've done this thing? What a fantastic question. And Abraham said, because I thought, because I what? Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. 
and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place where I go. Say of me, he is my brother. Verse 14, Abimelech took sheep, oxen, male and female servants, and he gave them to Abraham and restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. Verse 17, so Abraham prayed. God healed Abimelech, his wife, his female servants. They bore, then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah. Abraham's wife. Let's pray. Father, move in great power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'd encourage you to take some notes because it might help you to share it with somebody else and it might help you to retain what I preach in your hearing. God, move in power. Move in power right now. Hide me behind your cross. Anoint these lips of clay once again. I ask in Jesus' name. May we be forever changed and may the effects of this service be far-reaching even to eternity. Those in Dillingham, those in Oklahoma, those in Kenya, those here from the front to the back, left to the right, may our lives be changed because your word has gone forth sharper than any two-edged sword to accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. And we thank you and praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the thing about deception is you're deceived and therefore you don't know what you don't know. It's hard to know what you don't know. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It's hard to see things if you don't know roughly what they look like. I've driven a lot of cars in the past few weeks, um, and uh, every car has different blind spots. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, I, I saw more Teslas when I was in California. That, that car is just like, I don't know, it's like taking over. There's Teslas everywhere. Teslas have sensors all around them. So actually, there's people sleeping. I'm not even kidding you. On the freeway, sleeping in their Teslas while the Tesla takes them home. They fall asleep and the car drives itself with sensors all the way back to their house and parks. If you had a Tesla, certain Teslas, you can dial it up on your, on your phone and you can just you know press come home or whatever and it'll come drive straight to you and park in front of where you're standing. Amazing technology. For those of us that drive other cars, there's blind spots. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great tonight that if you had a blind spot, if you had a place in your life that, that's gonna cause a potential accident or, or cause you to, to bump something or hit something or... or or hurt someone else, wouldn't it be great if you could see it? Abraham, as we look at this text, he, he is afraid of Abimelech, this king, exactly like he was afraid of Pharaoh. 
He does the exact same thing. He manipulates. He said, well, he wasn't really lying. I love how he's like, well, I wasn't really lying because she really is my sister. No, you, you, you manipulated and you did whatever you could do and you came as close to lying as you can. You told a half, listen, a half truth is a lie. So what he does to, to Pharaoh, he does to Abimelech 25 years later, this same exact thing. And to me, that's amazing. Abimelech took Sarah to be his wife, and that is also astounding, and you can read all kinds of commentaries. Now, she is approximately 90 years old. I heard someone say, well, they just aged differently back then. Well, but she's past the years of childbirthing. So what would make a king desirous of a 90-year-old? I would say it would be the glory of God. There's something on Sarah preparing her for the birth or the, the, the preparing her for the seed, I'll say it in that way, of, of Abraham and the birth of Isaac, which is the following chapter, by the way. This is right before the promise. And I want you to know this, that there is a principle that I call Ziklag before Zion, but maybe we can give it another name right here, uh, Abimelech before Isaac. That there is frequently an assignment right before you get your Isaac breakthrough, right before you come through the other side, there is an assignment to try to derail you. And it happens over and over and over again. And I've seen people in the Abimelech experience, I've seen people in the Ziklag experience quit, throw in the towel, and go serve the devil because if God really loved me, then Ziklag wouldn't have been burned by fire. I just preached on it recently. Ziklag is, for those of you that don't know, uh, it's in this obscure place in 1 Samuel chapter 30 where David had all of his fighting men. It was like his apostolic training center and he comes back and all the wives and all the children are gone and the enemy has taken everything. And they're so discouraged, they spoke of stoning David and killing him. And it says that David inquired of the, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And then after he encouraged himself in the Lord, he inquired of the Lord. If you didn't hear this message, I appreciate it, just a few weeks ago, and David had a turnaround. Do you know what that was for David? He gets a word, he gets a word from the Lord, and then he obeys it. Imagine that. He goes to a power conference, gets a, gets a word, and, then he, and then, he, then he fights for it. Pursue, overtake, recover everything. So he begins to pursue. He sees an Egyptian. The Egyptian is mercy on this Egyptian who's left for dead, and the Egyptian has the answer to where the families are. And a miracle happens, and he gets all their, they get all their wives, they get all their children, they get all their stuff back. It's a total miracle. Do you know what happens right after that? Say, no what? <laughs> okay. It's three days before David is coronated to be king. Three days. On that day, the day where he gets everything back, pursue, overtake, recovers everything, gets his wives back, recovers everything. It is the same day that Saul is killed. His, his enemy, God's anointed, who he would not touch, is, is done. He's removed. And David, three days after that, you can look at, I believe it's Psalm 18. Psalm 18, somewhere in the middle of Psalm 18, it says, the Lord delivered me because he delighted in me. It says, not because I'm a great warrior, not because I can hear the word of the Lord, not because I prayed a lot, not because I give, not because, no, because he delighted in me. He loved me and he just brought me through the other side. That's the story of Ziklag. Three days before he's king, three days before the prophetic fulfillment of the prophet Samuel in a place called Bethlehem, Three days before, this is 
just before. We don't know the exact period of time, but it is just before. Isaac's born in chapter 21. This is right before the promised Isaac, a miracle. We are in this moment right here as a church, as a church, as a nation. This is where we are. What do you mean? God is with us for sure. He's given us covenant, cut covenant with us and we with him. He's shed his blood. We've been forgiven of sin. We've been placed on an assignment to fulfill the purpose of God, to expand his kingdom in the earth, to reach souls, to save the lost, to heal the sick and set the captives free. God is with us as we've been moving forward. And yet there are assignments that come where it can get you over into fear. And if you cave into that thing, you'll end up dead. So you have to be aware of the hour that we're in. If you're starting to feel just a little bit tired, it's time to, it's time to like, you know, pray more and snap out of it. And I found myself walking through this prophetic experience. And I've come to the other side and I want you to know this. We will see Isaac born. You will see the fulfillment of what God said over your life, your family. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. We will see it corporately. We will see it individually if we faint not. Do not be weary in well-doing, for in due time you'll receive a harvest. Some of you are tired. Some of you are like, I just want to quit. If I hear another story about COVID-19, I'm going to lose my mind. You have the mind of Christ. Stand up. Refuse the packages that are trying to be delivered from hell and fulfill your God-given, blood-bought promise for, for the kingdom of God. You can do it. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, you can do it with Jesus' help. Come on, say it. Bump your other neighbor and say, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho. So Abraham, Abraham has this promise and this is like, the ditch effort of the enemy to hit Abraham right where he has a weakness, right where he has a fear. And the fear is, is that he would lose his wife. And I'm sure there's other fears. And so, look at verse three. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and he said, indeed, you're a dead man. <laughs> because of the woman whom you've taken for each he is a man's wife. So that clearly tells you that adultery, uh, or you want to call them extramarital affairs? They're not extramarital affairs. They're called adultery, and they're not in the will of God. All right, so there's just a more evidence there. Of course, we're in the Old Testament, but old and new marriage covenant's a big deal. So he rebukes him for that. But Abimelech said, I've not come near her, which is a euphemism for sexual intimacy. That's what that is. I didn't touch her which is literally, he wasn't with her. And he's, he's claiming like he's, <laughs> in fact, it's funny because it reminds me of, of us. <laughs> I didn't come near her. Look at verse four. I'm just gonna take this line by line here a little bit. Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? See, what he's saying is, you just killed Sodom and Gomorrah. They were a bunch of dirtbags. I listened to you in my dream. I'm God-fearing. So he said, you gonna kill me? So he's questioning, in, he's questioning God's judgment. And he's really, it's really pretty arrogant of him to say, not quite God-fearing enough, I would say. 
did you not say to me, she, did she not say to me, she's my sister? And of course, she's a half sister. And uh, look at verse, in the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. Let me say that good intentions don't purify wrong actions. I'm gonna run that through one more time. Good intentions don't make wrong actions righteous. The, 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 the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's a country song about that, I think. Your road to hell. Something. I don't, I don't know how it goes. And God says to him in a dream, and I don't know if this is like two different dreams or the same dream. I, I, it's not exactly clear. Verse six. Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. And what's fascinating to me is that the king is saying, man, I'm, I didn't touch her. He's like, yeah, that's because I helped you not touch her. He's like, oh. <laughs> See, some of you think you're the paragon of virtue, but really it's the grace of God keeping you from destroying yourself. Come on, if you lose sight of that, you lose sight of that, oh, brother Paragon, you're in some serious trouble. It's God's mercy, God's grace. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. It's his love that brings forgiveness. Me, 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 me. I don't remember the rest of the song. It's a good one. It's an old one. 1990s. Maranatha. Your throne of grace. Okay, verse seven. So God gives him the, the remedy, which is uh, give the man's wife back. Or otherwise you're dead and all who are yours. In other words, your entire family is going to die if you keep her. Somehow he's miraculously healed of his lust problem. In verse eight, Abimelech rose early in the morning, like I said, went to early morning prayer which is a great place to be, whether you have a lust problem or not. Amen. You missed a great place to say, amen. Verse nine, he publicly confronts Abraham. He's like, what, what, have, I, why, what have you done to us? Why'd you do this? And he asks him this incredible question, how have I offended you? That you brought this on me in my kingdom, this great sin. You've done these deeds to me. You, you ought not have done it. And this verse here is so awesome. What did you have in view that you have done this thing? When you look at your life and you see where you don't follow through, perhaps, if, if God gives you grace to be able to see that. Early on in my life, I, I, we had so many issues. I was just only aware of a few of them because, <laughs> because I'm convinced if we saw all of them, we probably would have despaired of life itself. We had so many issues. And even now, God's gracious and kind. Come on. He only gives you what you can handle. But you can handle more than you think you can. And if you'll ask God to show you the ugly warts and the place of character flaws in your life, he will show you. And he will show you for the purpose to become more like him that you would overcome. There's nothing you can't overcome. You can overcome that lazy welfare spirit. You can overcome... I missed a great place to say amen. amen. 
You can overcome sickness, infirmity, disease. You can overcome every broken place in your life. You can. How? By the power of the name of Jesus. The Old Testament is a picture book of New Testament reality. So I'm in the Old Testament now. I'm going to keep preaching and teaching to you, and then I will tie it in. We'll end up in the book of James somewhere, 2 Corinthians. It's only 8.19. There ain't nothing on Netflix that you can't watch later. Lift your hands to Jesus all across this place. Come on. Come on, somebody say, change me, Lord. Okay, you asked him to. You remember that song, Refiner's Fire, right? I, I know I've done this before, but it, it really is true. I used to sing that with tears running down my face. Refiner's fire. <laughs> my heart's one desire. I love you, God. I love you. Seriously, I'm like kind of playing now, but actually I'm starting to cry because <laughs> he has helped me. He's helped me. I was much more of a jerk earlier in my life. He's helped me. Come on, how many of you have been helped? My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your Jesus in. Come on, somebody say it. Jesus in. Yeah. So you ask for the refiner's fire. You ask for refiner's fire, and then you find yourself in challenges that are pressing you to cause you to become more like Christ. And then you're like, man, how could this be happening to me? And James says, consider it all joy. Come on, you're, you're being groomed to rule and reign. You, come on, somebody say amen. amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? And we don't like it, but we want to be more like God. We want that victorious life where you're going to have to have some battles to get victory. All right. Verse 9, what did you have in view that you've done this thing? Great question. Why did you quit? Why did you lie? Why did you manipulate? Why did you turn your back? Well, he, he asked him a very profound question. And Abraham says, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. They will kill me on account of my wife. So he misjudges them. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I have. Some people think they have the gift of discernment, but really it's the gift of suspicion. Oh, I, I discern. No, you're just suspicious. I discern. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen people driven out of churches because of the gift of discernment. I'm discerning. Mean as a junkyard dog, and you call yourself concerning. A, a gift of discernment. I discern that you're bitter. Nita. Just a closer walk with Jesus. Need a closer walk with Jesus. Because the closer you get, like Isaiah. Isaiah is like, whoa, chapter one of Isaiah. Chapter two, whoa, you bunch of wicked dirtbags. Chapter three, whoa, and he's not talking to a horse. He's telling the people, you're in trouble, whoa. Chapter four, chapter five, and then he's like, ah, ah, woe's me. The glory of the Lord comes. I'm gonna tell you, the closer you get to God, the more you realize you probably need more help than the next person. 
I mean, that's a revelation. It really is. If you think you arrived, your boat sank, and you're sinking with it. But he does say, I didn't think. He misjudges him. You'll kill me on account of my wife. This misjudgment. And this flair for self-centeredness. So he's okay with, he's okay with Abimelech committing adultery with his wife, but at least he's going to live. No, because really that's what, that's what that is, right? Yeah, I don't know what to do, Sarah. You just, you know, go, you know, at least we'll be good. What kind of a special jerk? He's selfish. It's all about me. I don't know what the deal is with singing tonight, but they're probably going to do some more of it. Raise your hands to heaven. Say, Jesus, help me. Help me have a view. Come on, help me have your view. Say that. Help me have your view. Not my own. Let me see things the way you see things. And uh, Abimelech prays and restores his wife. This verse I think it's verse 14. Would you look at this? This is interesting because I, I never really saw this before. Verse 18, the Lord had closed up all the wombs. It's not what the tech original says. The, the Hebrew does not say that. So it's... You know, a little intense, but I'm not going to get real graphic. But, but the word is orifices. It's not wombs. So literally what happened, what, what rabbinic scholars say, and you can read uh, Jewish writings about this, what really they believe is that God's power came on them in judgment so that they couldn't go tinkle. They couldn't go number one or number two, and they could also have no babies. Everything's shut down. That's, that's what that word means. Yeah. Wow. Come on, somebody say, whoa. So that really is, there's no potty breaks because nothing's flowing. Abraham prays. Barrenness is lifted off. A couple things, and then we'll get to the meat of this uh, message that I have about dealing with the recurrence, recurrence of fear is what I think we'll call it. Media team, the message is called recurrence of fear. So we've had some fun. We've looked at it line upon line. It's about to get intense. So put your seats in the upright position. Buckle your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelts high and tight. Put your trays as well in the upright position. Are you ready? All right, we'll ease into it. Then it's going to get really good. Are you ready? Here we go. In this text, we see that we see a picture of God has basically love for all mankind. It's not that he just has love for Israelites here. He has love for everybody because otherwise he could have just smoked Abimelech and everyone. He gives them a chance to repent. It's God's will that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. So you see this in this picture that his... His love for them is evident because he doesn't judge them. He doesn't wipe them out. He let them go potty eventually when they repented and did the right thing. 
We see also, as I mentioned, that adultery is sexual sin and a sin against God. And in actual fact, in this case, it was adultery that was going to destroy the promise. Now, if you think about how Isaac, Isaac is going to come through Sarah, that's the next chapter. So this is an assignment on the Isaac prophetic promise. And Abraham's oblivious to it. And like I said, please understand, if you're in a battle right now, welcome to the club. Welcome to the human race. If you're, man, the battle's intense right now. To quote Jim LaFoon's mother, who was 92, whose parents went through the Spanish flu and, and the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression and World War, II, World War I, her parents, she went through World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, went through all the different wars, the, the Gulf War. And she says at 92, it's not really that hard, honey. Bread lines, we don't have bread lines. May there never be bread lines. I have noticed there is uh, diminished things on the shelves. Some people are getting afraid. Are you getting afraid? Absolutely not. And if it does try to knock on my door, I'm not, I'm not receiving the fear package. Come somebody say, return to sender. And if I knew that, I would sing, return to sender. I don't, I don't know. Address unknown. I don't know the rest of it. Pastor Vince, maybe you could help me out. Fear is a package that's trying to be delivered to every single person. And, you, you know, you can try to manipulate or do this thing or try to figure it out. Just don't receive the fear package and keep doing the right thing and God will bring you through. God will cause you to go across the line. Isaac is on the way. Don't get nervous. Don't get scared. Don't get upset. Don't freak out. Pray fast. Believe God. Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep, keep praying. Keep believing. Keep taking steps of faith. Fear, you got to go. And God is just. God is, I, I think this is amazing if you could have this understanding. Your life, my life, our lives, corporately as well as individually, are more than just about our lives. I'm convinced that the battle rages so white hot for some people because if they get to the other side, the amount of people that will be impacted through their obedience, but they just can't look up. They just can't see the forest from the trees. Oh God, do you even love me? He's like, my gosh, you're three days away from the Isaac. You're three days away from your miracle. Angels are, you know, coming to assist. Jesus is at the right hand, ever living to make intercession for you. And you're ready to throw in the towel. Some of you lost your towel. Complaining so much. You know, you can complain and murmur and release a destroyer. You can release demonic assignments on your life because of your mouth. You can cause them to run and turn heel like a scalded dog. Or you can invite them in and have a party to destroy your life. It's all up to you. Come on, someone say it's up to me. Now, that's not separate from the grace of God, the power of God, but you're made in God's image. And when you proclaim what you allow will be allowed. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. So you can loose some things that should stay bound. And some of you are bound some things that should be loosed. Now, I see myself in Abraham. Anybody else? Woohoo! 
walking with God for 25 years, and yet he's still loud. I hate this. I'm frying right now. I'm, I'm frying right now. 25 years. That's about how long I've been walking with the Lord. And Abraham still did the, the, the thing that he did in Genesis 12. He does the same thing. And I've just seen some patterns in my life. I'm thinking, how is it that you're still here? You ugly thing talking about the pattern. You can break whatever pattern you want to break in your life if you want to break it. If you want to cozy up to your little pet sin, then you can do that too. So how come the Lord's not going to deliver? No, Jesus did. Jesus is not going to come what he anointed you to do. Come on, he died on a cross. He rose again from the grave, right? He is not going to do that again. Jesus, can you help me? He said, I did. Now, get rid of your jellyfish, spineless attitude. Get the word down in your spirit. Partner up with champions. Break free of lackadaisical, apathetic, lethargic, jellyfish Christianity and get with some people that want to change their lives. I've found, I've found when I run with champions, champion just wants to come out. If I hang out with that which is mediocre, I find myself, you know, becoming mediocre. God has never called any of us to be mediocre. He's called us to be world changers. He said, well, I don't have all the gifts that Jimmy has. Well, you have whatever gifts you have. Use them. And you know what's amazing? I've seen people that didn't seem to have any gifts show up and just be faithful and poof. They got gifts and then poof, they got some more. And before you, if you're faithful and you're loyal, you can come in this place with a brain dead and God will give you brains. I'm convinced. Uh, that might even be my story. Abraham allowed things in his life to control him for 25 years. Now, I'm not saying that over my life, that I allow things in my life to control me, but I do see patterns that the Lord is desirous of me to break. And you have to set your life up to break them. You ever wonder why people just seem to move forward in God and, and just seem to move to blessing, to blessing? Do you think it's a coincidence? Oh, God loves them more than he loves you? That's not the case. First of all, none of us know what kind of bondage or, or even generational things have come down upon any of our families. You have to fight. I said you have to fight. Don't worry about the outcome. Just do the right thing today and keep doing it. Keep loving him. Keep turning the other cheek. Learn the word. Get in the word. Pray and partner with people that walk in victory. You hang out with your aunt that smokes two packs of cigarettes and thinks that you're an idiot for tithing. And then you get all your relationship advice from her. You must be demented. Is demented a bad word, Pastor Karen? Stupid. Is that better? Brain damage. How about that? Let's have a praise break. I'm starting to get edgy. I'm starting to get edgy. So why do you get edgy? <laughs> I get edgy. It's, it's anger, which is really a cover for hurt. It's really what it is. And that's commonly what anger is. Somebody said, no, I've got a righteous indignation. Well, the second you got it, it became unrighteous. So God's the only one that can have a righteous indignation. No, I'm, you know, there's people tonight that used to come to this church, they're in jail. They're not getting out. So you think, how did that happen? 
Other people that have been here, I've been here a little while. I've been here five years. I've not even been here no five years. I've been here a little while, and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not, I'm not mocking five-year pastoral leadership, but if you're going to change a region, you better sink your teeth in and stay until Jesus comes. That's how that is. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to change a region. He, he, the, generation after generation, we're going to start a school. We're going to change, school, we're going to change people, change homes, release the power of God. We're going to have a great revival. People will fly in and get touched, and we'll make spread more churches. Same thing with Eagle River, building, all that. It's already done. It's already done. But in the course of being here these 15 years, I've had people that have sat under the, the preaching and teaching of me and my guests and Pastor Karen, this incredible worship, and, and they've thrown their lives away. And I'm thinking, how is that? How is that? You know, this is a dangerous church to come to. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God and his word. And I'll tell you what's, let me tell you, let me tell you. It's, there's, there's perils of coming to kings, and I'll tell you what it is. You want to know? You come and you sit under preaching and teaching and anointed worship and all that takes place here. You don't change. You have set yourself up for destruction. In the gospel, and I'll prove it to you, Jesus sends them out two by two. I'm so glad I didn't give you notes. Jesus sends them out two by two, and he, you're, you're to go to a house and say peace to this house, and if, you're, if your peace rests there, and I won't get into all of that, then heal the sick and set the captives free. So peace is, is an, a part of the equation for releasing the power of God, the healing power of God, the anointing, the God enablement, anointing. That's what that means, the Holy Spirit power. But if there's not a man of peace there, leave, shake the dust off your feet, walk out of the town and say what? It'll be worse for you on the day of judgment than it is for Sodom and Gomorrah. For if the, if the miracles done in, in Tyre and Sidon were done, that were done in you were done in them, they were repented long ago. Here's what happens with the truth of the gospel, and it's not preached. There's blessing and curse both in the gospel. And when you hear the good news of Jesus and you don't receive it and you don't... Now, I understand it's God's grace and I understand the God of this age and goodness knows, God knows, I rejected the Lord how many times before I was born again? I can't count how many times. And so we don't judge people for that. You pray. But I'm just telling you personally, you need to know that if you sit under powerful preaching and teaching that whether it be even on the internet but it's different in a church because there's relationship and you don't change the same sun that melts ice and snow hardens clay and if you do hear the word of god over and over and it doesn't bring an effect to change in your life it serves you to become a religious person hardens your heart and before you know it which is really the truth about america you become an unbelieving believer that's somebody who says they believe, but there's no miracles, there's no fruit, there's no fire, there's no anointing, but you have like a social gospel, but there's no freedom. And then before you know it, you're just like an atheist. I don't believe at all. That's because when the word came, it didn't fall on good soil. And so why is that? I don't know all the components. I just know I want my heart to stay tender before the Lord. I've seen too many wiped out. There's this podcast that was sent to me about Mars Hill. How many of you know the church of Mars Hill? And I can't remember the pastor's name. It's probably just as well. Mark Driscoll. I'm I had somebody telling me, oh, you know, oh, man, you know what he did. I was like, I don't know, but it's for the grace of God. I'm here. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what he did. I'm just going to stay low. So many people want to throw rocks in your heart. You're just waiting for an opportunity, but you don't even know it. It's hard to know what you don't know. It's hard to see things unless you roughly know what they look like. 
blind spots. Am I, am I getting through? Do you think maybe you have some blind spots? Do you think maybe you have a place of recurrence of a pattern that's been destroying you? Is that possible? Is it possible, Christian brother, sister, those online in Kenya, is it possible that you have a pattern that needs to change? Oh, yes. Lift your hands to heaven. About to get to the good part. Hallelujah. Perfect timing, son. We see ourselves in Abraham. His fears, his misjudgment, his self-centeredness, sense his wife. My gosh. How do you deal with it? How do you, how do you, how do you cancel the next recurrence? How do you derail that pattern of captivity? How do you get off that gerbil wheel? Great question. How do you make sure? Well, you gotta ask God to rid you of lies. You gotta ask God to show you where the lie is. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through six. Though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty to God, the pulling down of strongholds. And we take every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we destroy it. We take every thought captive. The two words, thoughts and high things, are two Greek words. Thoughts are reasonings. High things can also be cosmic power. See, watch, I don't have time to go into the whole thing. I've preached it before. It's a whole discussion on strongholds. Many, I would say everyone here, well, all of us have strongholds. The hope is that we'd get all our strongholds in God. Then when the fear package comes, you're like, no, I know better. No, thanks. It's a lifetime becoming more like him, more and more like him. If you've ever spent any time with somebody who loved God and lived for him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength all their life, it's almost like looking at Jesus. You spend time with them, it's just like, yeah, there's a grace about them, that there's a Christ-likeness in their attitude. You have to tear down thoughts. You see, thoughts are the, the genesis or the beginning of actions. So if you have thoughts that are not according to the will of God about yourself, about other people, about God, then those thoughts will produce in you actions. As a man thinks, so he, so he is. You are not what you eat. You are what you believe. So if you understand who you are in Christ, then you begin to live like Christ. You begin to live like Jesus. But if you think yourself to be a dirtbag and you think that God's just a slave owner and you hope he doesn't give you cancer, you live far beneath. The, the truth of God's word is what we are to base our beliefs on. God's truth in his word. And if you have thoughts that are contrary to that, Eduardo Cervoso, quick review. 
because I feel like I'm missing about a third of the church. Some of you are with me. You've, been, you've heard this message before. Eduardo Cervoso, who was just here recently, said this, a stronghold is a mindset, a set way of thinking that's impregnated with hopelessness that's contrary to the Word of God. And so many people have those. They live lives where they've made a decision about themselves, about their marriage, about their children, about their money. They made decisions about things that are nothing but a fat lie. And then they act on that and they live that with a, with a divided heart, with a divided mind. Turn to James 1. With a divided heart and a divided mind. And then they have these blind spots that, that have just become reality. Some of you, some of you live a, a great duplicity. You're here worshiping, living for God loving God in the sanctuary, hands raised. You know the, you know, you know all the songs and all the hymns and you can quote scripture. Then you go home and connect with the porn channel when your wife's sleeping and you think it doesn't affect you. I'm going to tell you the reason that the apostle Paul said that high things, arguments, reasoning, high things, high thoughts, cosmic power, your thoughts when they're lies and you act on them, open a portal to release demon power. And so you think it's just you in the middle of the night and just because your wife doesn't know or your husband doesn't know, you think you're getting away with it. Every devil in hell sees what you're doing and it opens up a portal and shock, shock, like David who lusted after Bathsheba in the next generation, Solomon, 1,000 wives. Never mind lust against Bathsheba, Magda, 1,000 wives? That's called generational sin. And if you think that you can stay in this this captivity, this cycle of captivity, and think it's not going to affect your family, it does. And I've seen parents, and I honestly, it makes me angry. And then really, I, I guess I get angry because I feel so, I feel so powerless. How can I get through to you for the love of God? Your kids, you've handed them a device. You've handed them this. It's like $1,000. And almost every kid has one in this, in this corner of the world. And you think they can just, if you're not policing this and you don't know where they're at, if you think that they're fine, I got another story for you because I counsel them in my office. Oh, and, and if a kid comes to me and there's challenges on their phone and stuff, believe me, the parents will be knowing. So... And we're mandatory reporters and sometimes we have to turn things in. There's people in jail tonight because the blasted parents decided to send their kid to camp to learn how to play a better volleyball game. And I'm all into sports. Man, I am in trouble. Intercessors better start praying because I'm about ready to step in it right here. I love sports. Sports was very powerful for me. I learned a lot of things in sports, so I'm not against but if you don't have Jesus as the cornerstone of your home and you don't teach your kids the word and they never see you sacrifice and they never see you tithe and they never see you pray and all you do is talk stink about, I know you're not talking about me. All you do is talk stink about their teacher. Oh, they're so stupid, you know, and undermining authority all the time. And then they grow up and they don't want to obey authority and they don't obey you. And you're like, where could I have gone wrong? I heard this one person say, I don't believe the Bible. I obeyed the Bible in raising my child. I read it, spare the rod, spoil a child. So we never spanked him. He's a total brat. That's not what that text means. I know, a little intense. 
it's a little intense because I see a lot of casualties. Oh, I see a lot of victories too. Come on, we see a lot of victories too. Come on, I'm a victory. Is anybody else a victory? Come on, come on, come on. Let's not forget that. More, more winning than are losing, but I don't want to lose anyone. I don't want to lose anyone. I don't want you to lose your children. I don't want you to have a prison ministry because your kid's on the inside. I don't want you to get divorced. So you're flirting with that, that, that young thing, that, that girl, that guy at work and telling all your struggles and all your problems. And before you know it, as you're driving to work, you start feeling a little bit more excited about getting to work. And you're wearing a fresher shirt, maybe. You used to never brush your teeth, but you brush your teeth all the time now. Hey, how's it going? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I just did some stuff. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to destroy your marriage. And then you're going to destroy your kids. No, it's just some fun. You show me, you show me flirting in Bible. You show, you show me. You show me that in here where that's a source of entertainment. Let's have a praise break. I'm almost done. James 1. Come on, come on, praise break. Hey! Woo! I don't want to have a recurrence of fear. I don't want to have a recurrence of bondage. I'm not going to have a recurrence of bondage. I'm not going to have a recurrence of fear. I, in the name of Jesus, pledge. Come on, if you agree, just agree with me. I pledge my heart. I pledge my life to serve you all of my life from this day on with all my heart. God, forgive us for where we have lackadaisical attitudes, where we, where we tolerate that which you died on a cross for. Forgive us, God. We don't want to hold on to a few bondages and then just mostly live in victory. That doesn't, that, that, that doesn't work. We don't want to pass anything on to our kids but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. James. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, oh God. I'm getting there, James. James chapter one. If you're all there, say woo. In closing moments of this service. So if you have recurrence of patterns of captivity, if you don't understand, would you raise your hand? I'll say it a different way. I want everybody to get it. So there's things that you can do that are ongoing problems and you can't seem to get over that hurdle. And every time you come to that particular place of success, maybe you derail and destroy yourself. Get in a healthy marriage to destroy it. Don't get in a healthy marriage because you know, it, with somebody who abuses you, just it confirms what you really believe about yourself. Oh, that's so good right there. So you stay in broken relationships because really on the inside, you hate yourself. You don't really know that you're a daughter of the king. You don't really know that you're a prince in the kingdom. You really don't. And like a little boy who would play with mud patties and drink from mud puddles when ticket for the holiday at the sea is, is offered. He, he continues to, he doesn't think the tickets to the vacation are really anything, so he doesn't pick them up. It's a C.S. Lewis illustration. We're, many are like that. 
You can be free from your bondage. You can be free from the lie that you're not worth anything. You're worth what the blood of Jesus is worth. And I'm going to tell you, that's everything. And if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things become, become new. You have to force his word into your mind to learn to think differently. And if you don't, you're going to have a recurrence of bondage over and over and over and over. James 1. Ask God for revelation. Ask him to show you things. James 1 and 8, I believe it is. No. Verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I mean, that's kind of profound. So if you have, if you're doubting and praying, do you think that hinders your prayer life? Well, according to James, I highlighted it. Yes, it does. So some of, some of you pray, 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 fast, fast, fast. And then you're almost there and you're like, this is never going to work. And it's just like, yeah, you just flushed your miracle right down the old flusher. Such a person is a double mind, is double minded and unstable in all they do. Unstable in all they do. Abraham was unstable and he was still called the friend of God. I close with saying just a couple more points of getting some, you know, the how to of all this. I believe that you've got it, the how to. Ask God for revelation. Everybody say that. Ask God for revelation. That comes by praying, by reading the word, by going to church, by, by being in relationship. You know, I wear t-shirts now. This is a man t-shirt. I didn't grow up wearing t-shirts. I hated them. I didn't like the way they felt. I didn't like t-shirts. I like them now. You know why? Because a number of years ago, this guy right over here, Pastor Gill said, um, Pastor, I just don't know how to say this, but, um, you know, there's times when you're praying for people and like you lift your hands and stuff. And like, yeah, you got like, you know, you might consider a t-shirt. <laughs> Do you know how many people have been spared from incredible defilement because... You have to have relationships with people that'll tell you. You keep doing that, you're going to destroy your life. You don't change the way you're parenting. You're, and, you know, you got you to gotta have their heart before you take their hand. Don't, try to, don't walk around being the fourth part of the Trinity trying to correct everybody when you don't love anyone. You just, just want to be sister, brother, correction. And that's to basically cover over your own recurrence of bondages that you have. You want to point the finger at everybody else. Always remember there's three pointing back at you when you do it. Repent. Everybody say repent. James talks about that. You tear down a double mind. A double mind. You tear down strongholds through repentance and replacing the lie with truth. And then I want to say one more thing. We must be reconciled with those we hurt. You see that in the text. 
You know, I have two children from uh, pre-salvation and uh, past marriage. And uh, they cut me off long, long ago. Uh, but I was able to find a number. And so I sent a text. It's the first communication I've been able to get through in 20 years. 20 years. Want to hear the text? I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I've been told that I should never, ever, I'm, I'm, they wanted me to make a vow that I will never, ever contact. I got news for you. I didn't make that vow, and I never will. Hallelujah. And I was told to never, be, never call myself their dad or their father. I heard all kinds of things. I'm not obeying any of that. I'm trying to be kind. Here's what I said. I said, this is Daniel, your father. I would very much like to reconcile with you and your sister. Are there any steps we could take to accomplish that? It's a good start. Who do you need to reconcile with? Abraham. Who do you need to talk to? What a powerful word. This is where we are as a church. Don't receive fear. We will see Isaac born, but there's an assignment. There's a Ziklag before Zion. There's an assignment at Abimelech before, before an Isaac. And God is with us. He's going to keep us. He's going to help us, but he, wants to, he wanted me to preach to you to say, what is the reoccurring Reoccurrence of fear. What is the thing that keeps reoccurring in your life? Expose it. Tear that thing down by the power of the name of Jesus. Get prayer. Get the word of God to replace that lie and live the life of abundant blessings. Don't settle for what Jesus died on a cross for to set you free from. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.